There is no uh, wisdom at college, none. Colleges are wisdom free. They, have, they, they believe that knowledge is the same as wisdom. And uh, the map, your map has knowledge. Map tells you exactly where you are. Wisdom is telling you where you need to go. No map tells you where you need to go. My guest today is Dennis Prager. Dennis is a prolific author, speaker, and radio host. He has a unique ability to take complicated topics and boil them down to a few simple terms that make you say, wow, that makes a lot of sense. I've been reading and watching and listening to Dennis for the past 40 years, and boy, this guy's amazing. Every time I listen to him, I walk away a lot smarter and have more knowledge about topics I didn't even think about. Dennis is also one of the leading voices of the conservative movement. In 2009, Dennis and Alan Estrin started Prager University or PragerU. Now, this site has over 400 five-minute videos, pretty short, on topics ranging from politics, economics, philosophy, and religion that speak from a conservative perspective and reflects Dennis's values. Each one is thoroughly researched and presented by experts from all walks of life. Since it started in 2009, PragerU has accumulated more than 4.3 billion views and counting, and the majority of the viewers are under 35 years old. I recently sat down with Dennis to talk about what he sees as the biggest challenges to our American way of life and how we can turn the tide. All right, Dennis, you have interviewed a zillion and a quarter people in your lifetime on your radio show. Your radio show has been on for what, close to 40 years now? Yep. Wow. And uh, who's the most fascinating person you've interviewed? The, I, I, I have no answer. I have an answer to the great majority of questions posed to me. But I have, I have, I have had too many spectacular people in the, in the course of, of my life. I've interviewed everyone I have wanted to interview, 99%. I mean, I haven't had the Pope on, uh, and, and I would interview him. Uh, it, but uh, I don't think he would say yes for any, any number of reasons. But in any event, uh, I have had, it's, it's one of the great true joys of my life that I get to speak to anybody I want. I will tell you that uh, a, a, re a relatively recent interview, it happened two years ago at a PragerU event. It was not on, on my radio show. Is it a PragerU uh, gala? I interviewed Jordan Peterson and uh, uh, he had deeply affected me. And that I learned, I have learned an immense amount from people I've interviewed. I've learned an immense amount from callers. But uh, I can't say that I've often been affected. And uh, Jordan Peterson did. Well, why? I, I watched that. I watched that interview in the beginning. I was I was listening to how uh, you're praising him, and you spoke right off the right off the top how he impacted your life. Why? Why? Why was he such a? Why was he the person that you wanted? Uh, that you feel impacted you the most on that? Well, the it impacted my life. I I don't know if I said he impacted my life prior to the interview. I had admired him. That's why we had him. 
Yeah, you did say But that. he impacted my life during the interview, which is why I, I mentioned him in light of your question. He impacted me because I asked him if he believed in God. And his answer was brilliant and uh, utterly sincere. He thought for a moment and said something to the effect. One could watch it. It's actually, it's on the internet. You just put in my name and his and it'll come up. But it was something to the effect that if I believe in God, that would make so many moral demands on me that I don't know if I live up to the ability to say I, I believe in God. And that made me realize that vast numbers of people who say they believe in God don't. Not that, not that if you sin, that means you're, you don't believe, then there would be no believers. It's, that's absurd. Everybody who believes in God commits sins. But how many people are better human beings because they believe in God? That's, that's the, that's the $64,000 question. For a lot of people, God is what I've called all of my life, a celestial butler. God is there to fulfill our requests. Give me health, do this, do that, give me wealth. And I understand that people would ask God for that. I'm not knocking it. But it does, it does portray a different God than the one I believe in. I don't ask God for these things as a rule. Uh, I ask only what does God want from me, not what do I want from God. So I had already leaned toward the Jordan Peterson view, but he sort of crystallized it at that moment. He is... He is so self-demanding that he couldn't even say for sure he believed in God because he, he doesn't know if he is worthy enough, a human being, to say he believes in God. That, that was a great, great, challenging answer. Yeah. So that, that you, your whole life you spent on the big questions, such yeah. as uh, God, because I'm a big longtime fan, longtime listener, <laughs> never called in, but I've been following you for the past 40 years in a good way. Uh, learned uh, a lot. Uh, drives back and forth to the city uh, where a lot of your tapes, a lot of your cassette tapes, very impactful. You have a really amazing way of taking a big idea and boiling it down to a few sentences, sometimes too simple, that they're, it's so profound that you have to hear it a couple of times and say, I got it. How did you develop that? Is that something that even as a kid, yeah, it's you, built you always in. had? We all have natures. There's, there's no way around that. Anyone with children knows that. I thought about the big subjects when I was 13. Is there a God? Is there an afterlife? What is the meaning of good and evil? Why do good people suffer? I have thought about these things all of my life. It rendered uh, my dating life... Uh, challenging. It did. Uh, it is an interesting thing because, you know, on a date, you're supposed to talk about, you know, your favorite food and your favorite movie, your favorite, you know, your favorite uh, sports. 
And, you know, I wanted to talk about you know, good and evil. <laughs> Were there very few second dates after that? That's right. So uh, I was very fortunate by the time I was tw in my 20s, 21, I started lecturing. So very luckily being, uh, you know, up on a stage, women would come over afterwards. So I had a social life thanks to my public life. But prior to my being a you know, public figure, which, as I said, came very early, I was very lucky. Uh, it was very hard. I what I cared about, not many girls my age cared about. I, I you know, I, I cared about Beethoven. You know, imagine saying that. Well, you know, what do you think of Brahms second? <laughs> it's not a pickup line. <laughs> Boy. That, that, that must have been, that really helped. Huh? You, you were the guy around town that girls wanted to go out with. Huh? That's right. Well, I had other assets. Thank God. You know, I, I was funny. I, I, you know, I was, I was six foot four at a ridiculously young age. So I, I try to rely on other stuff, but my, uh, my pickup lines were pathetic. And, and I, I, I just, look, you asked me not about girls but you, so I'll go back to what you asked. You, you, you asked me about, uh, is this built in? And it is, yes. This is what I cared about. Like I wrote with Joseph Telushkin, the nine questions people ask about Judaism when I was 24 years old, you know, 25, 24, 25 years old. And it's still the most widely used introduction to Judaism in English. It's still, it's still in print. Amazing. Uh, you know, it came out in the 70s. Uh, so uh, I just, uh, that's who I am. And I've been unbelievably lucky to make a living being what I am. Uh, I, I, I know every day how lucky I am. Did you have that? I, I, I know uh, that you were extremely close with your parents. Did you find in, in your house, in your home, that kind of... Uh, questioning, searching kind of environment, which fostered this kind of uh, quest of yours? It is no uh, statement about my parents. I was not very close to my parents, as it happens. I had tremendous respect for them. But I, I wouldn't say that there was a great closeness. It was not, it was not what they pursued. The, it, it, this, this is a different generation of parents, my parents' generation. You know, they didn't. They didn't think every day. Gee, are my am I bonded with my kids? And that was a. By the way, I think it was a better way to raise kids. I think kids need security and good models more than they need to be told how much they're loved. So there was a reverence towards your parents. Yes, that's this... correct. They they earned my reverence, but we were not. I'm only saying this because I don't want to mislead anyone watching into, oh, he had this idyllic uh, childhood, so no wonder, you know, things turned out well for him. It was not an idyllic childhood. So also not a terrible childhood, but I, it, it was what it was. Um, my parents were, were very wonderful human beings, uh, but the, the kids were not, they, their lives didn't revolve around my brother and me. It's as simple as that. They revolved around each other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think we married what seventy plus years or yes, so. Yes, exactly. Uh, so, seventy-three, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yes, seventy-three, and they were together. They were married sixty-nine, together seventy-three. 
And, you know, it was a beautiful marriage to watch. So, but anyway, I'm only making clear, you don't need an idyllic childhood to, to make something of yourself in life. P- parents worry too much that my kids love me. I used to ask my father, I'd have him on the show every, every birthday, every time, his birthday was July 18th. And I have him on every year. People loved it. It was for many people, their favorite hour of my radio show, which I always found, I always was ambivalent <laughs> about. You mean I broadcast all year and your favorite hour is the one hour my dad is on? <laughs> <laughs> but I, I got a kick out of that. That was that was fine with me. He was a great guest. He he spoke so eloquently and, and so so glibbing. He had no uh and ad, just just himself. Anyway. I asked him, what's the biggest difference between life when you were a kid and life today? And he would say, uh, in, when I grew up, parents ran the house. Today, kids run the house. And it was a typically great insight of my father. So, yes, we talked about big issues at the Shabbat table. I learned to speak and think, not at school, uh, but at the Friday night and, and Saturday afternoon table of my of my parents' house. Right. So how, how did you, how did you write a book? How did you come to write a book? It, you went to Brooklyn College, correct? Right. So you did not go to an Ivy League school, and I've well, heard your I, thoughts I, on Ivy well, League schools. I, I plead guilty. I did go to an Ivy League school for graduate school. All right. Uh, so undergrad, you went from Yeshiva Flatbush to Brooklyn, Brooklyn College, and then Brooklyn to Columbia, right? And you and uh, Joseph Tulushkin were friends when you're, what, 13, 14 years old? You meet we met family? when we were 15 at the Yeshiva Flatbush. Neither of us did any homework. And we met utterly appropriately walking uh, to uh, a bookstore that was about a half a mile away from the Yeshiva Flatbush. We both spent all our money on books. Uh well, I divided it between books and concert tickets. I I fell in love with music, my lifelong love, uh, at the age of 15. Taught myself to conduct, and I do conduct orchestras. So it's another dream that came true. So, so you two have been friends for 60-plus years. Let's see. It would be, it's an interesting, so that's, uh, it would be 20 plus, yeah, no, uh, 50 plus years, no? If we met in, let's say if we met in 65, then it would be 35, 55 years. That's a lot of time. In other words, I know him longer than any living human being except his sister. And, and uh, he knows me longer than any living human being. Well, no, I, I guess some cousins know me longer, but yeah, and my brother. But uh, give so, you an idea. It's pretty amazing. What's, what's the secret of friendship like that? You two are closer than brothers. Yeah, well, uh, that people used to say all the time they're as close as brothers. And I always used to remind people that doesn't say anything. Most True. brothers are not close. There's, it's. I don't have a problem with cliches, but the cliche has to be true. <laughs> yeah, having a brother doesn't mean you're close to him. Well, yes. They, pe- most people are, are closer to friends than to uh, relatives. That, that's not a, that's not a, a bad thing. 
you you choose your friends, you don't choose your relatives. I mean, it, it's it, it's it's enough to enjoy your relative, but but you should love a friend. Look, if you love a sibling uh, or a cousin or an uncle or an aunt, obviously your parents. You, most parents love their children, so that goes without saying. I mean, that's just built in. I, so, so what's the secret to the your relationship? Because I, I, I want to tell you, because I, 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 I know Joseph Tulishkin, and he is one of the finest, warmest, most beautiful people I know. Right. He's just an amazing right. human. Right. I agree with you. And I knew that when I met him in high school. <laughs> I, I discovered him, as it were. Uh, so, uh, the, this, look, I, I could write a book on friendship. Because I, uh, I knew, because my home... I didn't receive all that much love. So uh, I knew I had to get love elsewhere. So beginning in sixth grade and to this day, I've always had at least one male friend that I loved. And I mean loved. And who loved me. And that has been a bulwark in my life, male friendships. Most men do not have what I have. And uh, most women do not have it with another woman. And that's a crisis. People need friends like they need air. So what, what's the secret to that relationship? Well, in our case, it was a shared preoccupation with the big issues. That's why neither of us did any homework. We didn't care about our grades. We cared about you know, is there an afterlife? Why did God allow the Holocaust? That's what we care you know, about. You know, just excuse me a second. I just find it fascinating sitting in your freshman year in high school, the teacher's giving you a math example, and you both are contemplating the cosmos. That's correct. It just, uh, if I was a teacher, I'd have to walk out. It just doesn't matter. Well, it's very funny. Uh, in high school, and I got a lot out of high school. I mean, though I never did homework, I learned an immense amount. And at the Yeshiva Flatbush, I learned uh, Hebrew so well that I lecture in Hebrew. I'm on Israeli radio in Hebrew. And it has made it possible for me to write my Bible commentary because I know Torah Hebrew so well, especially grammar. Grammar is more important than vocabulary to understanding uh, mm. how the, the Torah works, for example. So, uh, yes, we, uh, we thought about the cosmos. That's correct. And uh, therefore, grades didn't matter to us. Our, our parents were upset because they wanted us to do well in school, as every Jewish parent does, and obviously vast numbers of non-Jewish parents. And I told my parents, it's in the long scheme of life, grades in high school don't matter. They found it unpersuasive. <laughs> But I, I was very, uh, I was very strong-willed from a very early age. I did not let society tell me what to think, and that has is true to this day. My my views on so much of what society believes. So that was my preoccupation, and that was his. That was the original source of our bond. And then there's chemistry. Do you get along with a person? There are people you can share values with and not get along with great. But uh, both were true here. We're very, very different personalities, very different natures, but we click. All right, click amazingly well. 
You know, you were just mentioning how you were, um, you, know, you came up with, you thought about the big issues. And what I find so amazing is I was one of your original subscribers back to Ultimate Issues, uh, a journal you wrote. When did you start that? In 85, I believe, right? Um, the, that sounds right. Yeah, went to, I have the first one. <laughs> Volume one, number one. I still have this after uh, living in my parents' home, then getting married in apartment, mm-hmm. renovating my house twice. I still have most of these copies. What I what I was looking through last night, knowing that I was going to be speaking to you today, was and I find this amazing. This one is from 1993. How your thought is still consistent. You you didn't waver. You didn't you didn't give a damn about what the world was thinking, and you still probably don't. You don't. I don't say probably. Now you have, you're, you're prolific. You're everywhere. Here you were in this journal or people who saw you. So I happened to pick up this one from 1993 and why I am not a liberal. <laughs> and the, you have a whole article. I fear for an America that is coming to believe that economics determine behavior more than moral values do. And I fear for a jury that has largely abandoned Judaism for another religion, liberalism. This was written 27 years ago. What changed, except the font? That's right. Well, the only change I would I would um, I would change the words to leftism. I wish Jews stayed liberal. If they stayed liberal, they would be anti-left. The left is the enemy of liberalism, not the right. How, how do we get here? How did this? How did our country get to this point where? Uh, um, I live in New York, your old hometown in Brooklyn, and what we've been experiencing over the past four or five months with, uh, with a mayor who just let mobs run through the streets, destroy property, uh, violence, it, it was just, it's horrendous. It really is horrendous. I had some friends who over the summer stayed in Jersey. They didn't want to come back to Brooklyn. You, you watch the news every night. It's just terrible. In fact, right before the elections, Macy's and major department stores boarded up their windows That's in right. case Trump won. Not in case Biden won. Right, because they riot and conservatives don't. How do we get here? The left, uh, in every society on earth, the left tries to make inroads and ultimately dominate the society, and they succeed in very many. They've been trying in America since uh, the, the turn of the 20th century, so over 100 years. And they made inroads in every arena, in the schools, in religion, and in the arts. And finally, all of the hundred years of work has paid off. You you now have this enormous left-wing presence, not liberal, again, I keep emphasizing that. What's the distinction? Could you- Well, yeah, I'll give you, sure. First of all, for your viewers, I, there's a, Prager University video. It's five minutes. It's all it is. It's free, and uh, I don't, I don't, I don't give ninety percent of the Prager U videos. I give ten percent of them, and one of those that I do give is differences between liberal and and leftist. So here are a few examples. Many colleges have an all black dormitory. Liberalism is for racial integration. Leftism is for racial segregation. Only the left and the Ku Klux Klan think it's a good idea to have an all-black dormitory. 
liberals and conservatives believe in integration. You don't have a race-based dormitory at a college, but it's celebrated from Harvard to wherever. It's just celebrated. So the race issue is an enormous difference. The liberal view is that you should be colorblind. The left uh, view is that colorblind means uh, you're a racist, and, which is a joke. It's the opposite of racism. Next example, capitalism. Liberalism has always been pro-capitalism. Leftism is anti-capitalism. And we're talking about really big differences here. Liberalism has always been pro-Israel. The left has always been anti-Israel. Liberals love America. Leftists hate America. All right, so they're, they're just, in a nutshell, four huge examples. So how, how do we get to this point? They worked for 100 years, and you, you didn't tell me what was the flashpoint, what was the catalyst that uh, turned this country or part of this country into this leftist way of thinking, where it, now it is becoming part of the narrative, which socialism, who ever thought of ever speaking about socialism? My grandparents ran away from yeah, communist right. Russia to come here, <laughs> and they want socialism? It's a, right. a quick, just a quick thing. Uh, um, uh, one of my sons was visiting a friend who lived in the same apartment building that Bernie Sanders lived in in Brooklyn. He, my son didn't know this. He goes to his friend's house, and they sealed it off when Bernie Sanders was running for president. And he takes a picture outside. He sees Bernie Sanders coming in. And there was a whole group of Russian Jews from Manhattan Beach, who now live in Manhattan Beach, standing out there, yelling and screaming at Sanders, saying, we came from this economy and culture you want to put here. It is terrible. What are you doing? And he just walked right past him. How, how did this? How did the it, man? The man had his honeymoon in the Soviet Union. Amazing, <laughs> and, and and they have videos of that showing him talking really well about the Soviet Union. Yes, their exactly. System of education. Well, that, that's another example. Liberals were always anti-communist. Leftists were not. They were so anti-anti-communist. We how do we get here? Why was there such a? Why was the soil? so fertilized it was fertilized by post-christian era when christianity dies people seek secular religions that's what jews do jews who leave traditional judaism they uh they go to secular religions marxism humanism environmentalism socialism and uh, feminism i mean you name the ism jews either founded it or lead it Jews are very religious. The problem is most, most for most of them, their religion is not Judaism. More Jews believe in the New York Times than in the Torah. This is not a glib line. It's, it's, it's a true line. Take me from Ronald Reagan. Do you see that's where it started to fall off after Reagan? No, it fell, off. Remember- it fell off. It's been falling off for 100 years. These things don't happen overnight. The, the, the real origins are in the late 19th century, American universities did not offer PhDs, so people went to Germany to get PhDs. The Germans were steeped in leftism and socialism. So they came back to the United States, and that started the movement, starting at the university, of left-wing thought dominating the schools. And as I said, it took a long time to undo the traditional values of American life. In God we trust, e pluribus unum liberty. And, and as I always say, the Germans are always wrong. 
It's an amazing thing for one country to always be wrong. <laughs> well, is it, so is there, how do you see this? How do you see us turning the, can we turn the clock back? Can we move away from this leftism and come back to center at some point? Well, that's what we're trying to do with PragerU, for example, is offer a counter, a counterweight, an intellectual counterweight. And that's why we're so effective. We have a billion views a year, a billion. And most of the views are under 35 years of age. I, I want to uh, tell you, I just want to interrupt you a second. My son, one of my sons said, why are you sending me to college? Why? And I know, I joke you not, kid you not. He says, why can I just watch the PragerU videos? It's a university. I'll probably learn more in these five minute things than in college. And he'll be listening to this podcast. Well, your son is probably right. right. Your son is entirely right. right. You would learn, any kid would learn more at Prager University about life, about how to lead a life, about what matters, than at almost any university in America. The only use of a university is if you have to study STEM, science, technology, engineering, or math. We don't teach those subjects at Prager U. We teach history, theology, economics, psychology, uh, interpersonal relations, communications, but we don't uh, we don't teach science, technology, engineering, or math. Correct. But your son is entirely accurate. Uh, um, one one young man said to me uh, that uh, he had gone to Princeton and he learned more at PragerU than at Princeton. How did this PragerU start? Because well, I didn't my know. My idea. I, I, I give full credit to the man who did come up with it, Alan Estrin, who was my dear friend and my the producer of my radio show. We were uh, we for last twenty five years, except this one, because of the lockdowns, not because of COVID, because of lockdowns. It's an important distinction to make. Yeah, I've, uh, I've heard you speak about. I've heard you speak very strongly about that. You know, I want to tell you in every. All, all the things I've watched about you over the years and read, I have never seen you get so angry. Right. I, I, if you could point out a spot, because you're a pretty happy guy. Yep. And yep. I, I never saw you get so angry when you were uh, uh, talking uh, about, you were playing um, Dr. Fauci, you were stopping it, and just, I thought you were going to pop a blood vessel. You, yeah. you were getting a, yeah. a little I thought steamy. I'd pop a blood vessel, too. <laughs> Whoa, whoa. So we'll get back to that in a minute. I'll, I'll just answer your question, how this happened. So uh, this, I've taken listener cruises literally all over the world. I myself have been to 130 countries. I, I, it's another thing in high school. I wanted to see every country in the world before I die. And I'm close to getting there. I hope I'm not close to dying, but I am close to getting to, the, to uh, uh, nearly all the countries. So Have we you got to North the, Korea. I'm sorry. North Korea. North Korea. No, I would have, not go to North Korea. It's it's uh, every every country minus one. Well, there are a handful that I wouldn't go to now. Although, well, I've been to Syria, so that that doesn't matter. Uh, I, I there are very few countries I wouldn't go to, and I I have gone to some tough ones. the The problem with increasing from 130 is that the countries that are remaining are, are not, they're really off the beaten path. You know, I, I, I have not been to the Central African Republic. I've been to 20 African countries, but not the Central African Republic. <laughs> so 
you know, or Uganda, uh, but uh, I would love to. Anyway, I've been to Cambodia, not Laos, so I'd have to go all the way back just to get to Laos. So uh, on the Indian Ocean, one of the cruises was on the Indian Ocean. He comes over to me and he says, I think we should start Prager University out of nowhere. And I go, what are you talking about? He said, listen, I got an idea. We got to get your ideas to more people. People don't have long attention spans. You're really good at making things concise. So let's go on the internet. And that's how it started. He had the five minute idea as well. And of course, it's, I only give one tenth of the courses. There were 455 minute courses as we call them. I only give, and as, as it should be, I, I, Prager University is not about Prager. It is about Prager's values, that obviously, but it's not about me. So I give about 40 of the 450 including uh, one each on the Ten Commandments. And I am I can't tell you how happy I am that uh, tens of millions of people have seen my Ten Commandments videos. It's, it's hard to make popular something that the left has crapped on, which is the Bible, religion, the Ten Commandments. But I, I believed it in high school. I believe it today. The solution to world evil is the Ten Commandments. So, this, so when did you come out with? Uh, when did he come out with a Prager year? When did you start that? So that was, um, I think, 2011, nine years ago. On your website, I saw 4.2 billion views. That's right. We're not only the largest conservative video site on earth, we're one of the largest video sites on earth and one of, of, of serious videos, you know, and, and certainly one of the largest non-left sites of any type. It's, it's caught on beyond our wildest dreams. I mean, everything we produce is really rock solid and we're so effective. There's massive blowback. We were a front page New York Times article, front page LA Times article, BuzzFeed, Mother Jones. Wall Street Journal editorial. Yeah, oh, a few. That's right. Yeah. But they they scour and scour. They can't find a misstatement. They can't find, let alone, a lie. They can't find anything irresponsible. We're very responsible. But we are effective. We offer anybody, but especially young people, that's our major audience, 65% of the views are under 35 years of age. We offer them the only rational alternative to the leftist brainwash that they got from elementary school through college. So that's why we're so powerful. I saw you debate someone, and they couldn't attack you. Uh, with your views, so they started to attack you personally, and then they started you. Then they started mentioning PragerU, and you challenged them. I remember the challenge was beautiful. You said, "Show, me, give me one source," because we fact-checked everything you said. Give me one source where we're off on. And the guy went on to personally attack you. You, you know what video? You know I've the. I know exactly. Was it was at a San Francisco yeah. synagogue, a left-wing uh, Jew versus me. Yeah, guy from uh, J Street. And you were beautiful. You basically told the guy, like, and you said it like, I said, wow, this guy took a body blow, and you just stood there and said, 
If you're going to attack me personally, go ahead. But you tell me where I tell right. me one fact that I got wrong. Well, it, 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 people should watch it because they I give them credit. The left never debates. They only smear. He they shout. But he, to his credit, debated and smeared. <laughs> but but he, he ran out of steam. There was nothing more to go on. Right, that's and, and exactly just, right. Well, there's nothing more to go after you're, you know, you're racist, fascist, et cetera. What do you do? Th- what's the next sentence? Right, right, right. And then what? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> right? And then what? It, 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 that's it. So, so uh, looking back on all you've done, and you've done a heck of a lot. You wrote a book at 24, which is one of the most popular on Judaism. I think, I don't know how many millions that are. So I have the original eight questions. Wow. I, 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 yeah, I've read the original you eight questions. You do go far back in my life. Yeah, I, well, you know, I, I remember I was 20 years old. Uh, it was, I think I bought it in 1980. And because I grew up in a house where it was an Orthodox Jewish house. And my father's questions were always how. They were never why. And I always had why questions. Uh, but we clashed a lot. That's why you're a kindred spirit. Yeah, I, that, it was. That's it exactly was. what I used to say to Jewish audiences. Young Jews are alienated from Judaism because you only told them how, not why. If I didn't understand context, if I didn't understand uh, the, the the reason and what's going on, and uh, it it, I didn't say no to it. I just said there has to be something better than this. It just can't be because in the conversation just then, do this because I'm your father. Period. End of sentence. That was the end of the conversation. Yeah, I I, I really resonate with you. So I found your book and uh, you your book and and, and uh, Rabbi Joseph Telushkin, You wrote that together. And then when I met him about eleven years later, I I remember verbatim repeating. Goes, whoa, people. You know, like I said, this book really had an impact. It was it's 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 well laid out. And I don't. It's not only for Jews. I think it's for. Uh, any no. thinking person on how you deal with God and evil. You have an excellent, excellent chapter in there, uh, why there's evil in the world, how to deal with that. Uh, um, really great stuff. Really great stuff. Good. So you've done a lot. You've done a lot. You've spoken 130 countries and then some. Uh, radio show, PragerU. Looking back, what is your? what would you say is your biggest, you think you, you, you lay down every night and say, wow, I did a good job on this. What would that be? Well, interestingly, I don't think I've ever gone to bed thinking I did a good job. <laughs> oh, wait, that's not true. I thought I did a good job when I conducted a Haydn symphony at the Disney concert hall. <laughs> because I'll tell you why. Uh, because it's not my field. So I was proud of myself for being able to do well at something I'm not a professional in. So when I when I write a book or I give a speech or I do a radio show, I just expect certain a level of excellence, hopefully. But that I was able to learn a score and conduct an orchestra in one of the most prestigious halls in America, I think I did go to bed that night. I don't know. I, I certainly was relieved. I I I don't know that I think I did a good job. I am preoccupied with what I have not done. And I, I am not a humble man. I'm just an honest guy. I tell you good things about me and I'll tell you everything else. I I never really think about what I've accomplished. I really do think about how much I haven't. So uh, 
that's that's I I don't know what to say about that. That's maybe it's what drives me, but I'm not in it for Dennis. So I'm in it because I I I believed in high school I had a solution to world evil. And that was uh, the uh, the Ten Commandments. And I still believe that. I have not wavered since high school. You want to solve evil, have people believe that God commands the Ten Commandments and live by them, or try to live by them. And that's it. That's it. You know, um, you wrote uh, Happiness is a Serious Problem but that, about 20 years ago or so, right? I think right. 99 or 98, 99. Yeah. Uh, and um, you look around, and we are the richest, most powerful nation on earth. We have comforts that our grandparents would never have dreamed of. We have fresh, clean water that comes out of our sink. We have sanitation, basic things, vaccines, and just an amazing, amazing lifestyle that we have in the greatest country on earth. Yet, there are so many people that are unhappy. Why is that? That's, uh, that's, that's a big theme of my life. The, uh, the, I'll give you, I could, I could speak about this for an hour, but we obviously don't have that time. But I, I will tell you, you can't be happy if you're not grateful. And a vast number of people in our society are not grateful for living in America. They're called leftists and or progressives. And they are all unhappy. There are unhappy they're conservatives. They're just they're, angry. They're just angry. Well, always angry. In, ingratitude leads to anger. They're, they're related. Gratitude is the mother of all virtues because it is the mother of goodness and it is the mother of unhappy of, of happiness. You can't be happy if you're not grateful, and you can't be good if you're not grateful. The left breeds ingratitude. You're a black, you have no reason to be grateful. You're a woman, you have no reason to be grateful. You're a gay, you have no reason to be grateful. And the only the only people who can have any gratitude in this country are white heterosexual Christian males, the group that commits the most suicide, I might add. Apparently, they didn't get the message about how good they got it. So uh, I walk around in perpetual gratitude. It's one of the reasons, one of the biggest reasons I'm happy. And how does that relate to God? If one believes in God, one by definition should have gratitude or comes to that realization, no? Well, theoretically, you should, you certainly should have gratitude. You know, the idea of gratitude to God is huge in Judaism and Christianity. But I think that uh, what God gives the believing Christian and Jew is wisdom. And that's the other big issue in life. There is no uh, wisdom at college, none. Colleges are wisdom free. They, have, they, they believe that knowledge is the same as wisdom. And uh, the map, your map has knowledge. Map tells you exactly where you are. Wisdom is telling you where you need to go. No map tells you where you need to go. Colleges are maps. Knowledge with no wisdom. And they have no wisdom because they are completely secular. There is almost no secular wisdom. 
there there are religious fools, but almost all wisdom is religious. How do we how do we turn? How do we how do we how do by we turn this country people, back? By people like me going on shows like yours. <laughs> That's how. <laughs> I got to have you on more. Apparently, <laughs> it, it, you know, I, I I wrote an article, an op-ed in Real Clear uh, Real Clear Religion in the summer, on capitalism is not the problem; it's the solution. Right. And the angle was biblical capitalism. We really, the Bible doesn't talk about capitalism, but wealth was never a curse. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, King yeah. Solomon were all blessed with wealth, and it's what one does with that wealth uh, make the world a society. The, then we talked about the agricultural gifts, the corner of one's field for the underbelly of society, right. the gleanings, right. and so on and so forth. Right. And right. Uh, it was just infuriating because I was looking at what was happening in New York City. And the funny thing about it is, and if there is something funny about this, is that all the demonstrators and protesters and rioters, they were taking out their iPhones... <laughs> which was made by an entrepreneur, not by a socialist state, or I mean, taking, they're, they're, they're so angry at what they're living in, yet they take out their iPhone. And I thought that, that that's just, they just missed the point. They just missed the point. Yeah. So what I was spending the last couple of months thinking is, how does this change? We're not going to close the colleges. And look, probably it's our fault. We withdrew from the colleges. We left it to the leftists. We well, walked we away from withdraw. it. Well, we should withdraw. I am pro-withdrawal. Uh, there is no reason to send your child to college uh, unless you are certain of their values and of their, of their stability and strength, or they're studying science, technology, engineering, math. And then there's no choice. But otherwise... We hire at PragerU a lot of people who never graduated college. They're terrific. They're some of our best people. If you sent me a kid with a BA, you know, from, from Berkeley or a kid who never went to college, I would interview them equally. Uh, I, I assume that if you have a college degree, you don't think clearly. I know that there are people with a college degree who do think clearly, but that's my a priori assumption. That's a big assumption. Well, you know, I, I want to tell you that's not so far off because the whole institution is not geared to thinking. That's correct. They're, they're to regurgitate information. Or There's no feel. Uh, to, it's geared to feeling, not thinking. So give me a, your final uh, question and uh, I'll ponder it. We don't have to ponder. You kind of, kind of answered everything. What is it, the greatest? The, 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 oh, yeah, I got one question that I, that, you know, I was thinking from the beginning of our interview is your relationship with your parents how did that impact your relationship with your own? Your, you have two boys, right? Two sons. Right. Right. Uh, three. I think you have a stepson as well, right? Or you have yes, three sons? You have a stepson. Right. Two stepsons, yes. So you have four children, four boys. Right. How did, how did, how did your relationship, or is your relationship much different than your parents to you as it is to them? And, and uh, how do you see them raising their kids? So, uh, despite what I said earlier about the most important thing is security and uh, modeling rather than uh, just being told I love you all the time, I was a very loving and expressive of love parent, which was not what I had. And I didn't, I didn't choke them in it. I was not at all a helicopter parent. But I, I, for example, it was a rule 
and I never once in my life violated it. If my, any of my kids came into my office in the house, I stopped what I was doing. I never once said, come back later. I don't even know if they know this. I'm going to ask them when I see them. But uh, that, I, there, there was not, if, if I had a deadline of a book, I wouldn't have said it. I would have stayed up hours later and not gotten sleep. But they had to know I was always accessible to this day. And that, that was a, that was a, um, that was a difference. So I, I, I try to take the best from my parents and add some healthy things of my own. And how do you, how do you see them raising their kids? Is it the same well, the only they, one of them like... that has kids is, is my oldest son. He has two kids and two step kids, just like, just like I did. Well, <laughs> and uh, he, he's an incredibly loving parent and incredibly strict. He's, he's a, he's a magnificent parent. I, I don't think, I don't think I was a better parent than he, uh, he may well be a better parent than I was. It's, it's really something to watch him. Well, that, that, that's absolutely great. Dennis, I want to thank, this has been a real treat for me. I, I, like I said, I've been a fan for, you have, you really years. have. I'm very touched. <laughs> There are so many things I didn't even tell you that it's not to sound like I'm stalking. So I didn't want to even get into it. Not stalking. Yeah, anyway, uh, it's, it's a good it's, stalk. It's, it's a, it's a kosher stalk. It's, it's, it's great. I, I want to thank you so much. And uh, I just want to tell you the impact that you've had on my life and my thought process. And now I see in my family's life, my wife loves, and she mentioned, she told me to mention, she loves watching PragerU and she's always forwarding them to everyone in the house. Right. I didn't know that you had transcripts on them as well. That's right. On each one. I, I just figured that out. My sons watch them and uh, keep fighting the good fight. Uh, it's, it's just yeah. absolutely, uh, your impact has been enormous. And, and hopefully, Thank you. you should have many, many more years of, of, of this, uh, of, of keep doing this. Amen. All right. God bless, God bless you, you, Dennis. Thank, Thank you. you so much, man. If you love the show or disagree with it, shoot us feedback. Please review us on iTunes and subscribe to the show anywhere good podcasts are found. This is Charles Mizrahi for The Charles Mizrahi Show. Thanks for listening.